Welcome to another episode of the brand called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. I am your host Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome a very, very accomplished educator who I've had the privilege to work with at IIM Rotak, Professor Venkatesh Murthy. Venkatesh, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, Mr. Garg. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Uh, Professor Murthy is the Assistant Professor for Innovation and Entrepreneurship at IIT Jodhpur. And as I mentioned earlier, he was formerly at the Indian Institute of Management, Rohtak. So let's talk a little bit about innovation and entrepreneurship at IIT Jodhpur. And my first question to you is, how are the MBA programs different at IIT and IIM, considering that you have taught in both places? Yeah, so very interesting question to start with. Uh, while IIM's focus on business and management education solely, IITs have an opportunity to blend the management and business education with in-house and a deep technology knowledge. Okay. And in the in the uh, what also happens is several engineering and science departments at the IITs offer very complementary courses. Uh, and which are very useful for business and management students to take up. And to our surprise, several of our students have been showing a lot of inclination to take courses from across engineering and science departments. Oh. And, and yeah, particularly also um, the industry 4.0, the, the trend that we have been noticing is that uh, the industry expects a management uh, graduates to have a deep appreciation for artificial intelligence uh, machine learning and various other techno managerial applications. I think from that point of view, I would say the MBAs from IITs will have an ever increasing edge over MBAs from other institutions, uh, typically because such experiments intermingling of uh, management and business education with the technology is only possible in an ecosystem such as IIT. So therefore, we, probably the institutions will continue to have an edge. Amazing. So is it uh, also a requirement then that uh, people who get admission into the MBA program at IIT should all be with a technical background or an engineering background? Uh, not necessarily, not necessarily. In fact, if you look at our composition, we have 70% of the engineers and 30% of them are uh, non-engineers. So we, our core program remains uh, tech MBA. In fact, our MBA program itself is rebranded as uh, tech MBA, we, we do emphasize on uh, intermingling of technology with management and business uh, learnings. So the specialization, you know, sort of kicks in in the second year of the program. In the first year, students study most general courses, but in the second year, students take two different paths. A large chunk of them go in the tech domain, uh, specializing and studying more of tech uh, uh, techno-managerial courses and application of technology into management domains and so on. And some would go in the traditional MBA path. So, you know, I remember uh, you pioneered entrepreneurship, including uh, the incubator BizDome at IIM Rotak. What is the scope of the work of the innovation and entrepreneurship program at IIT Jodhpur? Yeah, so uh, the scope has been of multifold. One being uh, traditionally we are expected to work with the doctoral scholars 
and then ensure that we will have a very very productive and successful doctoral scholars coming out of this uh, this this uh, center per se entrepreneurship and innovation and uh, going forward we we also are expected to run successful programs not just at the postgraduate level at the undergraduate level so we have introduced something called minors in entrepreneurship uh, last year for the third year and fourth year of btex and this year we could see as almost a 300% increase in the interest amongst btex to coming forward to study entrepreneurship programs i even we were quite amazed we were not expecting such a sudden uh, outburst of numbers mm-hmm. uh, to to my surprise what i realized is uh, at this age at the undergraduate level students are working on their uh, btech projects and they are trying to convert some of their ideas into an possible venture and they are looking at certain key insights and this is where uh, innovation and entrepreneurship center comes in and then provides those insights mm-hmm. and going forward also we we do work with the incubators who come into the incubator we have a very vibrant incubator at the at the institute called tisk uh, that is a technology incubator and startup center mm-hmm. where the innovation and entrepreneurship center provides insights to all the incubators who come on board and 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 we we continue to work with the postgraduate and uh, undergraduate students to also help them think through entrepreneurship possibly and more so uh, our focus has been on case based teaching so we want to take the entrepreneurs real experience as it, as they have gone through such as yours and then we want to share it with students uh, we want to provide them those insights so that some of them can think through that and then internalize it over years very fascinating so uh, you know four 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 decades ago i remember when i did my mba the objective was to just get a good job you know today i find a lot of the young uh, mba students want to uh, learn about startups and entrepreneurship and you just mentioned what has changed and why so one thing is um, this is what uh, even i i kind of at times get uh, you know find it quite amazing hmm. uh whenever in whatever the forum we talk to a- any group of students be it engineering students and mba students most of them tend to talk about aspiring to becoming an entrepreneur and suddenly it looks like as if 100% of them are uh, gearing up to becoming entrepreneurs uh though that is not the case you know some people tend to just brush it aside by saying that you know these are just uh, 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 you know nomenclature students are tossing them around to gain brownie points but to me that is not the case to me that is an overall attitudinal change in this young crop of uh, you know students mm. uh that is because of the uh, kind of trend that the us has gone through over the years and 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 also that's partly because of the media that has made all the information possible or available for for the young crop of students mm. they access this information and they draw those insights and the tend to think what if if i can be some of one of them like say elon musk for example mm. so at least that that imagination uh, is somewhat is taking a shape uh, if not all of them becoming entrepreneurs i i could certainly say at least uh, 5% of them at some point in their life will take a shot at entrepreneurship in some form or other that's a fascinating change i could i could sense quite amazing but tell me you know uh, one of the reasons 
uh, a lot of entrepreneurship has succeeded in America is because of the incredible infrastructure and the incredible ideas and uh, uh, thoughts available at Silicon Valley. Yeah. What, what role does the government need to play to be able to provide us such infrastructure? So, well, uh, it is not just infrastructure. Besides infrastructure, uh, to my understanding, that the very way the U.S. opened up in the post-1960s, so there has been a lot of social transformation that happened, uh, particularly uh, accepting the uh, racial differences, the accepting the cultural differences as one amongst them. Uh, I think became a hallmark of a changing and an open society. Yeah. I think to that extent, societies have evolved over the years. And India has always been in a society with diversity, embracing all changes. I don't think we need to learn those insights from anybody else. We already have them already deep inside with such a diversity very well inbuilt into us. Uh, and what government has to do is to uh, probably provide enough incentives to the existing academic institutions and also resources so that these academic institutions can further uh, provide those resources to those uh, uh, students and those aspiring entrepreneurs uh, instead of uh, controlling the resources at their end and then expecting someone to come and approach for it and then going through all the all sets of bureaucracy mm -hmm. maybe uh, government should just enable all the academic institutions to take care of entrepreneurship to uh, you know sort of take a shape in the in, in the near future mm -hmm. fascinating um, and, uh, you know, again, based on a lot of the research and study that you do on startups and entrepreneurship, what, according to you, are some of the reasons why startups fail? Yeah, two fundamental reasons. I think, uh, uh, I, I don't think it does, it does require uh, an, a genius to uh, decode that. Uh, one of them being uh, uh, the poor execution. So they have a brilliant idea. And this is what we have been looking at. And in fact, uh, if you remember a series of business plans that we reviewed, almost 200 plus business plans. Mm. And uh, we could see all of them being such great ideas. But at the end of the day, probably one of them might have been executed and not all of them. So the execution is the fundamental. And the second thing is uh, not identifying a right pain point of the people. Mm. And in fact, one of our own incubators, the, the former incubators uh, was telling us this, that um, our product was sort of a good to have kind of a product. Mm -hmm. It was not that it was essential for an individual to have it on their phone mm -hmm. in the form of an app. So they might just choose to have it and they might just get, uh, do away with it. So that means not really being able to identify a proper pain point and also poor execution. I, to me, these two are the standard reasons why enterprises pay well, to offer. Poor execution, you're so right. It is such a major problem for a lot of startups. <laughs> true, true, true. So true. moving on, uh, you know, institutions like IIT Jodhpur, you know, which are supporting entrepreneurship, what role can such leading institutions play to promote entrepreneurship in India? Oh, yes. Uh, at three levels, um, IIT Jodhpur has already positioned itself as one of the catalysts uh, to provide all kinds of incentives to the entrepreneurs. One is uh, its incubator, 
uh, it's called TESC, uh, Technology Incubator and uh, Startup Centers, mm -hmm. has already been recognized and supported by MSME, uh, the Government of India. And uh, the, 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 the incubator is also exploring uh, multiple options to generate resources to provide uh, uh, those resources to the incubators who are likely to come in. Mm -hmm. uh, that, is, that is one, the, the entire focus of the incubator is a deep technology. They want to go deep into the uh, technology domain and then uh, work on, on, on those uh, very fundamental you know, technological you know, innovations. Mm -hmm. And the second aspect of it is um, uh, the Institute has very clearly uh, created something called interdisciplinary uh, research programs. And one of them, very fascinating one, uh, is in alliance with uh, AIMS Jodhpur, mm -hmm. All India Institute of Medical Sciences Jodhpur. Right. Where uh, we, we are trying to, uh, uh, we have already launched a program. The program is about, uh, it's called Smart Healthcare. Mm -hmm. The students of this program will earn both master's and a PhD degree. The earning of master's and PhD degree doesn't just come because they write and produce a, a thesis or a write-up. Instead, they are expected to produce a patentable idea. That means, that means there is an interesting combination that, that the institution has tried to create between the medical domain and the technology domain. So they want to produce as many technologies as possible out of this, this new adventure. So this is probably one of, the, one of its kind in the country right now. And there are such similar interdisciplinary programs. So in a way, it has become sort. Of, the IIT Jodhpur has become a melting pot for multiple, you know, sensibilities and ideas coming together and working on. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of them is called uh, uh, digital humanities. Uh, perhaps a new terminology and a new way of approaching and understanding human and and its interaction with the digital world. And uh, this is also expected to uh, sort of generate certain new ideas and then entrepreneurs over the years. And also the third aspect being uh, the creation of innovation and uh, entrepreneurship center as part of the School of Management and Entrepreneurship. This, this center is expected to uh, provide all kinds of uh, insights to the incubators who come onto the incubator and also work with the larger ecosystem in providing insights to the faculty who probably have a new idea, who want to take that idea to a venture level and also with the doctoral and master's level students. Yes. So that's how the whole thing is positioned. No, no, it's, it's so heartening to learn about uh, TISC, which seems to be supporting entrepreneurs so well, or potential right. entrepreneurs well. So Thank moving you. on, uh, you know, the, the pandemic has affected everybody, right? My question to you is, how has it affected business management in our country or at uh, IIT Jodhpur? Undoubtedly, uh, the pandemic has affected all our lives in general, and of course, uh, big time the learning and uh, teaching aspects. Mm -hmm. Uh, to me, uh, you know, first and foremost, I must, uh, uh, in a way, uh, co compliment all the teachers and the students all over the world who kind of figured out a way to get into this new world and a new experience altogether, which was unprecedented in the history, at least. Mm. Um, and they've somehow figured out a way, you know, uh, kudos to all of them. Having said that, on the learning front, it had a huge impact because it simply took away the very face-to-face -face interaction and the peer-to-peer -peer learning, which would have been seamless and quite smooth. 
and is is out of the picture and that is a big big um, uh, you know drawback as far as this online education is concerned and this face to face interaction and networking between the students will have a long lasting effect going forward like maybe 10 years down the line somebody might just connect with the group of them and then might think about exploring new avenues in life but that is somewhat is limited of course they might just get along online virtually but the effectiveness is not so much as much as otherwise it would have been in the physical mode and the second aspect on the learning front when we have a physical classroom when we discuss a case when we when we have a, a one to one interactions the effectiveness of and an internalization process is very different than when we have it online so online we don't even know whether somebody is listening to what we say you know that becomes completely an impersonalized world and if it is an executive education it is understandable so executives have voluntarily chosen to study online and they are they are okay to do that and they somewhat committed to do that and that's executive education do run online more whereas for mbas who come most of them are fresh students for example we have almost 50% of students are fresh gra graduates uh, right out of the college and who may not really have that just seriousness to commit themselves for an online learning you know where the teacher is not even visible anywhere so it it, it is it really has impacted their learning process in a big very interesting so my next question to you is that uh, you know one of the challenges that institutes of higher learning seem to have all over the country is that we are not producing enough phd students we are not spending enough money on research what are your thoughts and how can this be changed <laughs> yes very very important and the most fundamental of all mm -hmm. uh, a small figure uh, tells us a, a big picture of where we stand we have been producing doctoral scholars in about 20000 uh, in each year compared to uh, the us which produces doctoral scholars or phd's in 60000 wow. so that's that's the stark difference you know almost uh, uh, three times more than uh, our phd's uh, that is there are two broad issues one is the quantity the number of phd's who are coming out of the institutions though we have close to 900 uh, universities we are not really producing enough and at the same time the quality is another issue mm. uh, there was an article in hindu that uh, talked about uh, uh, earning abilities or earning possibilities for a doctoral scholar after mm. coming out of an education institution they looked at some of the uh, some, probably close to 6000 uh, phds and their earnings were much lower than anybody who had not even done undergraduate mm. so this at times becomes a discouraging factor for several uh, uh, you know bright minds to come forward and then join a program like doctoral program mm. so then it becomes a program that that caters to only uh, maybe an ordinary set of uh, you know uh, students who really do not wish to uh, pursue their career want to find an alternative and then they come and join in and 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 of course some of them succeed some of them do really very well once they get into your program once they get the right direction and right uh, coursework uh, particularly 
but several of them fail to produce an internationalizable uh, academic work and mostly their work remains uh, ordinary in the sense. So then their career possibilities also get limited. Mm -hmm. So all of that put together, uh, there, is, uh, there, is, there is a huge limitation. So there are funding avenues available. You know, we have, for example, uh, UGC offers funding avenues such as JRF, Junior Research Fellowship and so on. And of course, you know, if you look at the education spending of government of India and, and other state governments, it's really not enough. So if you look at some of the developed countries, they do spend much more than what we spend. So we need to also increase on that front. And by doing so, what we can do is we can actually stop several of our uh, bright minds going out of the country. We can hold them back in our own institutions. Okay. Perhaps these bright minds might become those uh, bright you know teachers and thinkers over the years so i think that brain drain is one of the things when they go to go abroad go to europe us and other countries they do very well they settle down they get jobs there and they do very well there but we back in india do suffer uh, from quality phds yeah. very well said so i'm now going to move to the last segment of our conversation which is some questions for you personally uh, you know, all our viewers and listeners love to get to know a little more about our about our guest. So my first question to you is, you know, in academia for so long, um, and yet so young, what would you say are three key milestones in your uh, life or your career? Yeah, so to me, one of the key milestones, uh, I don't know whether I really should call it a milestone, still I am uh, yet to get there, but looking at whatever has little happened, mm -hmm. I think getting into an institute like a great institute like Tata Institute of Social Sciences mm -hmm. was probably uh, one of the best things that has happened to me world outside. So, mm -hmm. so I think that's one key, uh, key object. And the second aspect is back in Rothak. Mm -hmm. uh, catering to formal education, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know cater some basic education. And the third element of being a uh, uh, pioneer uh, educational brands in India, one being IIM and the other being IIT, is uh, very, very satisfying. And uh, I hopefully I'll be able to do as much as I could. Amazing. So I have time for two more questions for you. Uh, and uh, I'm going to have to select what to ask you. But my next question is, uh, who or what inspires you? to keep doing so many new things? Okay, that's a very interesting question. Thank you. Uh, I think uh, uh, early on, I read uh, uh, Mahatma Gandhiji's uh, uh, autobiography, uh, My Experiment with Truth. Truth, yeah. Was quite an inspiring one to me because in that book, uh, Gandhiji somewhat tells us quite in a subtle way that mm -hmm. every challenge that we face in our life and every pain that we go through in our life mm -hmm. uh, is a learning in itself. Mm -hmm. So do allow yourself to be part of that experience and do not try and uh, uh, develop an aversion to those painful experiences. Mm -hmm. Instead, allow yourself to swim through them. I think that is one interesting thing. And, more, and, and other than that, uh, I think a lot of... Uh, uh, the Kannada literature, uh, that's 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 where I come from. In fact, I grew up reading a lot of Kannada literature. Mm -hmm. And one interesting thing is that we've got a very rich tradition of literature in Kannada. Mm -hmm. I think authors like Anantamurthy and Girish Karnad, you know, Kuwampu, Dara, a lot of them are Kannada writers. And Shivarama Karan, 
all of them inspired me so much and then gave me so much confidence that i could write i, I write by by the time i get undergraduate uh, i could somewhat sense that i could i could start writing but i hardly knew that i would start writing in english and that to uh, research papers and and not so much in kannada so that's one uh, probably a small gap i have uh, found in myself no uh, what i was going to ask you was that uh, my last question to you and this is that uh, you know you work with a lot of young mba students what would you ad- what is your advice to them as they start their life in the corporate world or as an entrepreneur yes so uh, this is uh, probably uh, you know some might not find it interesting because i i uh, it, this this sort of goes against what adam smith said long ago mm-hmm. that uh, each individual being too uh, self centric and then uh, and then being focused on what he or she wants mm-hmm. adds up to the overall well being of the of the of the nation so in my view i i keep telling my students here as well uh, stop thinking about your own career your own future prospects your own uh, uh, you know possibilities of settling down mm. think about rest of the world this whole universe is yours so we all belong to this large universe our our family is not just ours every other family is also ours every other individual is also ours so if you can probably have that deep insight and a perspective in us perhaps we start thinking for others and start building certain uh, um, certain uh, programs or certain activities certain ventures for others hmm. maybe that is where you will find a sweet spot for yourself to find a sense of happiness hmm. uh, so instead of being too self centered i think we we need to open up and then try and think about the world around us maybe we will find more happiness wonderful prasmuthi thank you so much it's been such a pre- pleasure and a privilege speaking to you um, yeah indeed the pleasure is all mine mr gar thank you so much for having me with you thank you very much thank you for listening to the brand called you video cast and podcast platform that brings you knowledge experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals you can also follow us on youtube facebook instagram and twitter just search for the brand called you